Tropicana, you know them, you love them. They make orange juice. Uh, I'm drinking some Tropicana orange juice right now. Mm, it's good. Look, and I'm, I am. Oh my god! <laughs> like that, I, that, I love the prop comedy. It's uh for for an audio medium that no one will be able to see. Uh, it is 4:30 in the afternoon, uh, and I'm drinking some Tropicana orange juice. Justin, they uh, announced a mm-hmm. an orange. It, it's it's disingenuous to say an orange juice cereal because that makes it sound sound like it's a cereal that tastes like orange juice. No. It is a cereal that you eat with orange juice instead of milk. You texted it to me. Did you did you think I wouldn't have seen this? Did you think this slipped by my radar? Yeah, I did. I was I was on a random rabbit hole. Apparently there did you did you hear Dolly Parton is starring in a musical about Taco Bell pizza? The sentence you just said was the wackest thing I've ever heard and I am on board. No, I didn't. Uh but I'm I, I want that. I like yeah. all of that. I like everything you just said. Yep, yep. It'll be streaming on TikTok, I think, like, May 25th, 27th. But it's also, like, they have a playbill. It looks like it could be a fish. Gotcha. Okay, well, uh, I'm, a, I'm a serial enthusiast. I've got my book right here um, titled The Great American Serial Book, How Breakfast Got Its Crunch. Uh, and this <laughs> is, like, a, a long history of, of cereal in America. Um it's like, okay, I'm passionate about video games, like, first and foremost. My second passion is cereal. Do you know this about me? I knew you liked cereal. I, di- I didn't know, like, that would be an identifying passion of yours. I've got this collectible spoon. Um, <laughs> it's so weird because it makes me wonder, like, what the Target demo is. So it's a spoon, and on the inside there's, like, a little engraving. And it says, um... Please don't talk to me. I'm only here for the Pokemon. And I don't like, I love that. I love that because it's like, what is the demographic for this spoon? Right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, what is, I guess, Pokemon fans, sure, and cereal fans, right? But like, I mean, that's me. Like, me, I am it. But like, it's engraved on the inside of the spoon. So you can't actually eat with it. You can eat with it, but you're going to get like, it's kind of sharp where, where it's like engraved. Anyway. Oh, yeah, that's odd. It's not, I thought it was like a micro print. No, does that list etching? Yes, yes. No, it's like engraved. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you, so the Tropicana cereal, orange juice cereal, I tried to get. I didn't realize that it was like an online only like one day exclusive item. Uh, so actually I went to a jewel and I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, do you guys have the orange juice cereal? And they were like, what They're are like, you talking Dude, no, turn around. Yeah. Um, and like, you know, I, I don't do well in interactions like that anyway. <laughs> like, <laughs> but like I wanted it bad, and like that that shows like how badly I wanted to try this cereal. No, it's all gone, and then it's on eBay for like you saw like a hundred bucks, and like yeah, yeah, like I would like I here's the thing, I would buy that, but then like then what? I have less money, and I have this orange juice cereal that, like, I don't know. But like you would gotta know what it tastes like. You want to know? I, like, I, I need to I know. Need, I need to I need know. To like, know. Like, should, we, I would, should we buy this and share it? And just and, and have a video of us eating it and being like, all right, <laughs> this is it. Because can I say, like, are you a cereal guy, Justin? I do, like, I do, in fact, like cereal, Cinnamon Toast Crunch, top tier that's, that's, cereal. That's tier. You mix some Cinnamon Toast Crunch with some uh, 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 Golden Grams. I think that's a very, very good bowl Because right Golden there. Grams on their own, I wouldn't say top tier. However, mixing those two together for me might do it. Because you get a I, little bit of the super sweet, a little bit of the... Cardboard. The more like s- subdued. I actually, I really do like Golden Grams. Uh, before we talk more about this orange juice cereal, can 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 I just get a, a slice? What are your top cereals? Okay, my top cereals are they're odd. They're not okay. odd. Uh, Go ahead. But 
the number one, easily Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Okay, okay, okay. Number two is a cheat code, Cheerios. However, like honey, like like honey nut, or are we talking like which is why it's a cheat code? You got to get a different box frequently. Yes, yes. Like they have so many flavors of Cheerios. The pumpkin spice Cheerios that they get during like October are like pretty good. They're so good. And, good. I, and I know it's like again, it's like a million different cereals, but like it's always something different. Same yeah. basic. Yep. It's great. It's great. Um, did you ever try the strawberry banana ones? No. Fan of those. Pretty good. Okay. Okay. Pretty good. Um, then. There's a cereal, a little one I like to call Cracklin' Oat Brand. Does that do Justin, anything? Justin! Justin! Yes! Okay, let's talk about Cracklin' Oat Brand for one second. The year is 2020. There's a global pandemic, supply chain shortage. Cracklin' Oat Brand gets cut. There was a shortage of Cracklin' Oat Brand. Oh, I thought you meant they got rid of it completely. They Basically, everyone was like, hey, where's the Cracklin' Oat Brand? What's going on with this? And then, uh, I don't know who makes it, Kellogg's or, or Quaker, whoever makes it. Uh, they, someone tweeted at them, and they tweeted back being like, supply chain issue right now, we are unfortunately not producing it. And for me, Cracklin' Oat Brand is my number one without question. And it's like, I'm sitting, th- I'm sitting here thinking like, it's never coming back. This is just a casualty of the pandemic, and I'm just going to live the rest of my life remembering the greatest cereal that there ever was. Yeah. The cut to two years later. It's May 1st, 2022. Cracklin' Oat Brand's back, baby. I think there's a knock on your door. It's Kellogg. Mr. Kellogg was there. <laughs> now, he was a bad guy. Uh, I read all about him in the Great American Serial book. Um, <laughs> he, was like, he was like, he did like fake medicine. He made um, uh, cornflakes to get children to stop masturbating. Um, oh. And as someone who's done both, it uh, doesn't stop you um yeah yeah, yeah probably <laughs> but yeah but uh cracklin brand is top tier okay so this like i've been saying for a long time we need to change it there needs to be a game shaker with cereal milk is good milk and cereal is great we've changed the base components of cereal right you've got rice you, you've got like rice puffs you've got corn puffs you've got um uh like wheat based cereals you've got marbits and marshmallows and all sorts of other additional things that's good changing those up is good but change up the base Tropicana boldly said, we're doing orange juice. I have to imagine that's good. Or at least interesting or noteworthy to say, like, this is this is something. I would like to see that design meeting when they're just trying to, like, something's got to taste good with, with orange juice. <laughs> something's got to do there. Um, GMM, uh, they did a uh, replacement for milk in cereal. Okay. These were the these were the replacements. Now they're not saying these are better than milk. Like if milk suddenly went away, these were the replacements. Yeah. They had water. Yeah. Cold brew. Apple okay. cider. Okay. Chicken broth. Cream soda and Guinness. Which of those do you think was the best according to them? Um probably cold brew. Uh and before we go further, they used uh honey nut cheerios. Okay, cold brew, that actually sounds like pretty good. Although at a certain point you gotta do decaf because your ch- teeth are gonna be chattering, right? Like, <laughs> like, <laughs> like yeah. I'm gonna say cold brew. So their top one was, was cream it water? soda. Okay, actually that does sound really yeah. good. Yeah, with, I would with I would the, fuck with yep, that. Yep. And then the second one, they said peeking out behind chicken broth. Ew. Ew. 
I think that is more of a, a a statement and how milk is like essential for a lot of cereals rather than it <laughs> yes. being like it was a good option. An endorsement, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um I had an idea. I'll say wow, we've talked about this for a while. Um I had an idea for a pizza cereal where like the actual like pieces of cereal itself are um like like little cheese bread pieces. And then um, instead of doing milk in this box comes like a packet of sauce Ooh. that you would mix with a little bit of water, microwave it, pour it over the top. Um, so you get kind of like a runnier. It's like, like a soup almost. Yeah. Right. Yes. Uh, like pizza soup, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 Uh-oh. We don't. I don't know if we have time for that conversation. The soup or cereal? Is cereal a soup? We'll talk about it literally next week in the intro. It's in box. <laughs> What's in the fucking box? everyone welcome back to hitbox episode number 91 look forward to that conversation uh next week before we begin our t- discussion of video games my name is peter hunts patek joining me as always is uh, justin can i say like i'm so happy that crackle no brand is in is in like your upper echelons of cereal. Uh, I, it's like what, what I'd always go for. My mom would always like have to like stop me from eating too much of it because of the fiber content. In it, it. Is ba- it is bad for your stomach if you eat too yeah. much. I learned yeah. that. I, um, I've learned that several times and I still keep learning it because it's so good. Well, joining me as always is my wonderful uh, tummy hurting <laughs> co-host, cereal, uh, crack on Oprah and eating co-host, Justin McAvich. How are you, Justin? I'm doing great. It is the, I am currently at, at my job as a teacher. I'm in that moment right now as a teacher when you look at your kids in the face and you're like, all right, which one of us cares less? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, easy. Yeah, we have two weeks of school left. So like out of here. I got I got curriculum to finish, but also I know that the kids don't want to finish it and I don't want to grade it. So it's that it's that dance. It's that dance, that little like give and take about like, all right, what can I give them that they'll actually do that is not going to be like I don't want to fight right now. Right, so. right, because it's it's like you got it's the balance, right? Of like exactly what you said. Like I got to give them something, but it can't be too much. Yeah, yeah. But it can't be too little. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I get it. I get it. Well, Justin, I I would love to hear more about that, but sadly, our audience is here. <sighs> For video games so just to give you a taste of what we're going to be talking about a little bit later in the episode um we're going to take a look at embracer group buying certain square enix studios uh as well as a look at that company in general uh bungie standing up for women's reproductive rights as we all should uh taking a look at nintendo and the issues with its internal studios and contractors and things like that as well as a finally Spoiler talk for Returnal. It's been a year. You've had time to hone your skills, to get back at the monsters of Atropos. And we're going to be talking about it as you, Justin, have finished it, I know. Before we get to all that, let's talk about the games you've been playing. I want to hear about Returnal, first and foremost. You finished it, yeah? Yeah, I I beat Returnal. It is done. I think last week we were talking, and I was on the second-to-last biome, the snow one, and it was a bit of a bitch. It is certainly that, yes. It was it was a, it was not my favorite of them, um, but the good thing is that there wasn't a boss. <laughs> like right, once you I do it, you're done. Like I like 
if if I go through that last door and there was a boss there and it killed me, I would have just I would have <laughs> I don't done, know yeah. I would have been out done. We're no more, no more. Um, but yeah, I, I got through it. Um, I got to the water uh, biome. I, so once I had my build to beat the the snow biome, I went into the water biome and I beat it without dying. Nice. So out of all the bo- bosses, the five bosses in the game, three of them I beat on my first try. I beat the Dang. first one on my first try. I beat uh, the organ one on my first try, and mm-hmm. I beat the last one on my first try. The other two more than made up for that. <laughs> sure. Yes. Yes. Um, and really, the nemesis, that one was just, uh, uh, that was not a fun one for me. That was the third boss. Yeah. Um, and the thing that got me was just, I could not learn those patterns of the stupid platforms enough. And it was yeah. just one of those things where you get to the first two of them, you get through the first two phases pretty easily, and then you get to the last one, it'd be like, die immediately. I was like, shit. But yeah. I eventually got through it. And, and that game is, it's a good, good game that I don't want to platinum. Yeah, I considered it, and then hearing our good friend Dave at Button Mashing 101 talk about the fact... I mean, it's all RNG, right? You just have to, like, get all of it. Plus, when I uh, played it initially, uh, we'll, we'll talk about the secret ending in a little bit here, but um, I did all the things necessary to get the secret ending, and then I didn't get the trophy because there was a glitch for the trophy. Oh, um, no. Like, whatever, but I, I just am not going to put the time into a game that is so RNG-based and uh, potentially not get that trophy yeah. in the end. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's 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 a really solid game. I think um, while it's not up there for one of my favorite games of all time, that is because it's just not a genre that is ever going to make my top games of all time. Yeah. But I do think it is a must-play if you have a PlayStation 5, you got to play this game. It shows off like the controller better than anything. It looks beautiful. The gameplay is unique. There's so many good things about it yeah. um, that you got to play this game. I completely agree with you. And I am excited to hear more about what you think of it uh, in our spoiler discussion at the end of the episode. Um, Justin, our lists look kind of similar. Before we get to the things that we've been playing that uh, we both played, I beat Bloodborne, man. Ooh, Bloodborne. Yeah. You got to Yarnum. You got you, you beat the upper Yarnum demon thing. You beat a f- f- Father Gascoigne and all of his friends. You you stop the blood rot. I don't know what I'm saying anymore. Yeah, no, I did all that. Uh or did I? I don't know. Um I think people I, I think <laughs> as I was playing it, I had this like sinking feeling where I was like, oh no. I think this is just okay. <laughs> and and like it's it's the kind of thing where like Bloodborne is so beloved that I'm not I don't think it's okay cuz I'm trying to be contrarian or to have like a hot take for fucking internet points. Uh I just think it's fine. Uh and I think after playing something like Elden Ring, I did it a disservice. Um I think that the game's setting and atmosphere carry its decent gameplay. Um in a way that like i think that does a lot of the heavy list lifting and and like the enemy design is really cool and like the fact that like it starts out with just like you're fighting dudes in the streets and then it like you slowly start to like creep into like i'm fighting horrific monsters of of like bodies <laughs> all like smushed together and like in giant giant spiders and stuff like that um I, I think that that stuff is really cool but at the end of the day i'm glad i beat it i will probably not revisit it anytime soon um you said the gameplay was okay yeah. 
like what about it was just okay compared to blood uh, not blood uh, elden ring or a souls game um, I find that, like, the solution to the problem of beating an enemy is the same for pretty much everything, which is, like, run in, slash, 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 duck out. And then if you get hit, duck back in, slash, 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 slash and then duck out. Uh, and, and then while they're attacking you, uh, go ahead and dodge through their attacks and then use your gun to, to interrupt their attacks. Not bad. It's just that um, that is the solution for every single problem, you know? Um, whereas, like, in other game like i I don't want to talk about elden ring necessarily because i think that is a beast of its own but like in the the rest of the the FromSoft catalog sometimes it's like okay well i need to beat this thing really quick before it can turn into something horrible and and giant or maybe it's like okay i'm gonna need to hide behind my shield for a second dodge through some attacks get some get some quick hits in dodge out like i just felt like there's more variety in terms of like what you can do as opposed to uh just dashing through attacks Slashing a bunch, getting out. I okay, so I, I'm gonna be careful how I say this because I don't want yeah. I don't wanna you'll hear what I say and you'll know why I want to be careful about this. I think this is the easy version of, of Dark Souls. Not it's that the in, game is easy. It's interesting. It is not an easy game. And also, I want to preface, I liked it. Yeah. I, it is a good game. I think if you are looking for a game to play on your PlayStation and you haven't touched Bloodborne, you should do that. It's really good. Um just compared to like the rest of the FromSoft games, I think it's okay. You're right. I think it is simple. It's not. It's, it's not simple. easy. That's that's the perfect. But word. it's simple. simple. Yes. 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 And because of that, it teaches you how to play these sorts of games best, right? Um, I, I don't think you should be hiding behind a shield the entire time when you're playing a, a Dark Souls game or Elden Ring or something like that, because uh, I think it's kind of boring, right? Like you can tank all the hits and whatever and and play through it like that. And this is just my opinion, obviously. I find that to be a little bit boring when you're on your feet and you're dash, you're, you're uh, dodging through attacks and, and trying to get behind people and all that sort of stuff. That's when it's for me, it's most fun. This game does a really good job teaching people how to play that. But since I already knew that this to me was simpler than I would have maybe wanted it to be. Yeah. And I think like for me, when I played dark souls, when I first started playing dark souls, like that, that was my first souls game. I played it. And the thing that got me, like, turned off by that game was just, like, I'm sorry, you need a guide to play that game. Like, it, it, it's it's tough to navigate, yes. Right, and, like, nowhere to go. This one, a guide helps, obviously, but, like, you can kind of get the path and places where to go. It's not like you're really lost about your next goal, your next yes. destination. You know where to go. Sometimes you get put into a world that might be too high level for you that you have to escape because someone in a bag took you and threw you in the middle of a prison thing. Yep. Um, yep. But <laughs> yes. it's still, for the most part, you know where you have to go and how to get there, and it's not, like, complicated. It's straightforward, not linear, simple. Yes, it and is. I it think is. Yep. from where you came from, coming from probably one of the best games in the past forever... With Elden Ring. Yeah. And then playing that one, it's probably like, well, Elden Ring did it better. <laughs> that, and that was the problem, right? Like, I did that, and I had this sort of, like, sort of similar feelings about Demon's Souls. Um, but, like, you could brush it off as, like, well, Demon's Souls was, like, the first one. So, like, of yeah. course there's going to be some growing pains, and of course there's going to be some big differences between what they're doing now. But, um, yeah, it is a good game. You are correct. It, it is simple. It's not easy, but it is simple. And it, do you have the Old Hunters DLC? Uh, 
I don't think so because I like I'm going off of the like the disc that I bought forever ago. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, I imagine that the PS Plus one might. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's cheap enough, but it's supposed to be pretty good. But it also has yeah. like the hardest boss in in a Soulsborne game. Uh, allegedly. Yeah. I I think Not I'm saying okay. That you need to do that. <laughs> no, right. That's the thing. Like I, I beat it. I got the ending I got, which was like of the. There's like three or four. I did not get the final ending where you fight the some big monster. I got the regular ending where you fight a dude. <laughs> I only yeah. got one of the umbilical cords. Um, because those things you need a strategy guide for. But yes. I also saved scum to do it. I was on the plat the path to platinum. Uh, but then I stopped because the chalice dungeons, which are like procedurally generated mm-hmm. things that like it's just way too. You have to like get to the end of it and beat like this boss at the end of it, like a unique boss, which is cool, by the way, because a lot of those chalice dungeons have unique bosses oh, to cool. them. Um, but ultimately, it was like one of those things like I see how to get there. It's going to take a long time. I don't feel like it. <laughs> yeah, no, that makes sense. I did not. Uh, I didn't really engage with those because I just thought they were fine. Um, Bloodborne. Good game. Go play that. <laughs> like, I don't want to come down on too. It's it's a good game. Go play it. Um, it would not have the reputation of that it does if it was not a good game. Uh, and I can certainly recognize that. I also played, I dipped into Halo Infinite a little bit for the second season. I played Last Spartan Standing. It's exactly what you think. If you like Halo Infinite, go ahead and keep playing it. It's still good. Um <laughs> Do you think Last all- Spartan Standing is a good uh like proof of concept for, for like a battle royale? A, thing? A battle royale? Yeah, I guess. Um, I, I just don't think that Halo is best played alone. I think it's best played when you're on a team. Um, so, like, I, I understand why free-for-all is, like, fun and all that, but I, I appreciate doing, like, big team battle or or whatever, uh, just with the nature of its mechanics. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Makes sense. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's it's more, more Halo Infinite, but not enough has changed for me to, like, I'm not going to buy the Battle Pass. I'm not going to do whatever, because, like, it's just still the same game. Well, can't uh, you be Doctor Strange in it? No, but I did buy um, I did buy the Master Chief outfit in Fortnite because uh, <laughs> it's a, a hey, cool look, game. It's so good. I bought the outfit in a different game. <laughs> yep. Yes, I did. I I, I did do that because uh, it was on sale the other day. Um, I also Justin, I played a lot of games this this week. I, I played and I finished the Stanley Parable Ultra Deluxe, which is a little difficult to talk about. Because it's hard to know, like, what people consider spoilers. You mm. said you had something about to say about Stanley Parable. Um, well, I mean, a little inside baseball here. After we talk about Trek to Yomi, it'll be better to talk about that. Okay. Um, I liked it. I played the Stanley Parable way back when, mm-hmm. uh, when I first got a laptop because it would run on my Mac. And a <laughs> <laughs> few things did. It was that in Hotline Miami. Um, it was it, it is a it is a fun delightful little look into video game narrative design and stuff like that. Um and the ultra deluxe like I was wondering like you know am I going to recognize when the new content starts? Yes. I'm pretty sure the narrator is probably going to be like, "Oh, wait, this is different. Wait a second. What happened here? Ultra uh, deluxe script. Oh no." <laughs> Like that, you're, you're not far off. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, like here's just like a spoiler for how it happens. Uh, you play it enough times, and then um, a new door opens, and there's just straight up a sign that says "new content" with an arrow at it. <laughs> He's like, "Huh?" And it's it's good from there. Um, it is a, a very delightful experience. If you don't know what it is, I suggest you just play it and find out. Because I spend about four to five hours with it. And uh, it made me laugh out loud. It 
Uh, I also am going to have the platinum for it by the time you're hearing this. Um, there's an uh, there's a trophy for it that says play uh, do play this game after 10 years like wait like go outside and uh, I, I got that on Steam for the original one because uh, it was five years and um, I'm not gonna do that <laughs> I'm gonna, like I'm so what I did was I, I changed my system settings to, to just go ahead and snag that guy uh, and then there's one trophy for playing the game for the entirety of a Tuesday. So last night at about 11.45 p.m., loaded the game up, changed my system settings so that it would not turn off after, you know, however much inactive time. And then um, at midnight tonight, I will pop that trophy and get the platinum for it. All right. So you, 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 you stole the lead here with what I wanted to talk about, which is the awesome trophy list of this game. Yes, because it is very good. This trophy list is basically like <laughs> the anti-trophy list. It's like... Literally, it like makes fun of trophy lists almost, right? Uh, the game makes fun of a lot of modern game mechanics like uh, collectibles. Yeah. Uh, there are collectibles that you find, and they basically say, like, there's no achievement, there's nothing tied to this collectible hunt, uh, but you will have the satisfaction of collecting them all. Yeah. And yeah. then you do, and he goes, like, don't you feel great? And you're like, yeah. And then <laughs> there, there are, there are I, I don't want to just tell you a bunch of jokes you know what I mean? But like, there's more to it than that. Yeah. Um, and that actually ends up coming into the over, like there is an overall narrative of the new content that I think it, it puts a bow on everything really, really nicely. Okay. Um, so so yeah. this is uh, the trophy list. I'm going to read the 12 trophies on this list. Yes. Okay. Um, excellent job following directions. That's the platinum funny. Um, get your first trophy awarded for getting any of the other trophies as your first. Yep. Think about that. <laughs> yep. Like your first trophy is your second, tr whatever. Yes. Um, beat the game. You complete the same parable. Uh, test trophy. Please ignore. Test trophy description. Replace this. What's that? I will not spoil it. Okay. Cool, cool, cool. Um, welcome back. Quit the game and then start it again. You can't <laughs> jump. No, seriously. We disabled it. Um, commitment. Play the Stanley parable for the entire duration of a Tuesday. Then there's one eight eight eight. Eight 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 eight, and the description for that is a bunch of uh, eights, straight yep. up. Um, yep. Click on door four thirty five times. <laughs> uh, speed run, complete the Stanley Parable in under four minutes and twenty two seconds, not including load times. Settings world champion, set all setting sliders in the menu to all the available numbers. <laughs> Was that a fun one to do? Uh, it takes like two minutes and. Um... If you do that, keep an eye out for a door that opens. And then, <laughs> as a um, result, the super go outside one. Don't play the Sandy Parable for 10 years. Uh, I mean, just like the idea that it's just so funny. And I think a game is always enhanced when you have a trophy list like this. When yes. part of the game becomes getting the trophies because it's literally part of the content, like that's a brilliant idea. And I don't like trophies that are the trophy lists that like make you like replay the game 50 times, do literally everything in it. I like a trophy list that adds an extra layer to that game and makes you experience things in a game that you normally wouldn't experience that aren't frustrating that continue with the idea of fun. And I think that's something that Sony first party studios generally do pretty well. Um, don't look at death stranding. Cause that one is horrible. Um, but like a lot of like the, the first party Sony studios are really good at making fun, engaging trophy lists that make you see a game um, without tiring you of that game. Yeah, um, it's interesting. The Stanley Parable Ultra Deluxe uh, makes fun of the idea of trophies in a lot of ways, but it also, like you said, has a really good trophy list. 
Um, the developer, Crows, 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 has something to say about it, though. So 3.3% of people on May 8th had the Super Go Outside trophy, which is don't play the Stanley Parable for, for 10 years. And they tweeted this, a screenshot of that fact, and then they tweeted... Um, uh, you cheated not only the game, but yourself. You didn't grow. You didn't improve. You took a shortcut and gained nothing. You experienced a hollow victory. Nothing was risked and nothing was gained. It's sad that you don't know the difference. Uh, I don't care. Crows, crows, crows. Oh, I, they are being tongue in cheek, right? Of course. I okay. mean, I, I, I hope they better be. If no the thing playing is, this if, game, that's the thing. It's like, if they're being serious, it's like, Hey, like <laughs> it's art. And once you put art out into the world, people get to do with it, what they want to do with it. Um, and I also am like, yo, crows, crows, crows. I did my time. I got your first trophy. Like, <laughs> give it. To you. Your trophy is mine now. Well, you um, got their second trophy. Oh, that's very true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. yeah. Um, if you are looking for the new content, by the way, what you're going to have to do um, is just, just a little bit of help. Is you are going to have to exit the game, like close the app, and restart it a few times. And I say that because, like, you know, I'd play it, turn the PlayStation off, you know, next day I come back to it and be like, where's this new content? I didn't realize uh, uh, it is expecting that you are going to be playing other games while you're playing this. Um, ah, so, like, yes, so yes. the startup is a little bit different. Um, so, Stanley Parable Ultra Deluxe, major recommendation. Uh, one of my favorite games, because essentially it's a choose your own adventure game. And when I was younger, I used to make uh, folder games in which I'd have, like, a USB drive, yeah, and okay. then there'd be, like, a oh, choose A so or B fun. option. Yeah. And, like, there'd be, like, different paths and things in there. Um, so, like, that was, like, essentially what this game is. Like, a lot of this game is that kind of choose-your-own-adventure kind of thing. And great narrative. It's funny. A, a game that is legitimately funny and makes you laugh is yes. rare, but when they when they nail that, it's really great. And if you played the original and you hear this and you're like, yeah, I, I, got, I get it. Like, I played the first one it is worth checking out again because not only is it funded, like go back and go like, Oh, I remember this. But then also there, are, there is, the new stuff takes into account that you played it in 2013. <laughs> it's good. It's really good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's talk about, we were here forever. Justin, we played a game together for four of you. I wrote a review up. Uh, it's up on game skinny right now. Uh, as you can read about, we were here forever, which is a game. It's a puzzle game. It's co-op, uh, where basically the only mechanic is like the only consistent mechanic is you have a radio and you are communicating through the radio to your partner and you're usually not seeing the same thing. So they have to say stuff like, Oh, there's like a shape. It kind of looks like a Fox. It's like three triangles made together. Uh, and then I have to say like, Oh, okay. I see that. Or like, or I will say, Justin, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> um, turns out I'm just looking at Google images and even tell you. <laughs> yes. Uh, I gave it a six out of 10. Uh, if you're interested, why, like I said, go ahead and, and take a look at that game skinny review. Uh, but Justin, what is your rating for it? Cause you didn't get to write a review. See, that's hard. Um, like, I, I think this is this this is part of the interesting thing, and I, I was uh, messaging you about this before. I think sometimes a review can ruin a game. Like having to review, sorry, mm -hmm. having to review a game in a time period can ruin a game because I felt like this game was at its worst when we were doing like our fourth puzzle room in a row, and then we get through it, and then there's like another of the same puzzle afterwards. And it yes. was just part of the fatigue aspect of it. The fact that we were sitting there trying to get through it so you could write the review in the time. 
Um, I feel like that can sometimes hurt a game like this that I don't think is meant to necessarily be marathon through. Um, I could be wrong. And the reason I say that is because it's a 10-ish, 12-ish hour game, right? Yeah. Yeah, from what I was seeing, because we didn't finish it. We, we are at the very end. Uh, but we got to the point where we had played about four or five hours in a day, and it was like, hey, our brains don't work. Yeah, like, this yeah. is, this is we got to be done. <laughs> um, yeah, um, so, and we, we put in about 11 and a half or so hours yeah, into it. Yeah, and, like, I don't think, like, for a game that long, like, it's really about, like, a good time to, like, kind of come in, hang out, do a puzzle together, kind of work through that kind of stuff. But, like, the, the more you have to do in the less amount of time, it kind of broke my brain. Um the puzzles, though, like for me, were not consistent. And I think yes. that's the worst thing for a puzzle game. The only mechanic in this game that you do is solve puzzles with your with your buddy using a walkie-talkie, right? So there were so many times, and you talked about this in your review, and it seemed like it happened to me a lot, which is probably for the best because I'm kind of an idiot. But like there's some puzzles when you were like you were doing like a thousand different things, and I'm just sitting there in a vault, like just like moving my arms back and forth, like, yeah, this yeah. is fun. Uh one time you were doing something, I was literally just spinning around in circles, <laughs> like just <laughs> no reason, just to like just do because it. Because you didn't have anything to do. Like yeah. 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 Um but then there's some of the puzzles that just were unique and were frustrating at first. Like I'm thinking of there's this puzzle that, that takes place underwater. Yes. And it was frustrating at first when we didn't know what to do. But then once you like understood what to do, it was like really cool to like like that was just a, one of the better puzzles I think that 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 game had to offer because it was fun. It was different. It was a breath of fresh air right at the end of the game. Um, it, <laughs> ironic. I said intended, breath of fresh yeah. air. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, the cool thing about that puzzle, too is most of the time you were in rooms where you couldn't do both things at once. Like, you saw a screen that I could never see, and I saw a screen that I could never see. Right. For this puzzle, we could, like, switch roles at any point, which yep. was great to understand stuff, because, like, if you were trying to describe to me what you saw in that room, or I was trying to describe to you what I saw, we would have not gotten anywhere with it. Yes. Yes, I agree. Um, so, like, there's some cool... There's great ideas in there, but I think when you get a game that is... 10 hours 12 hours you're gonna eventually get filler puzzles in there or you're gonna do that puzzle one more time that makes the puzzle not fun anymore because they're just trying to get that hours of content in there yeah um and i think having this a much more smaller tighter intentional uh game would have been better and i i know i hate to say that being like oh i wish there was less game because i know the developers put a lot of work into this and everything um but i do feel like the a game like this would have benefited from that with refinement, uh, right? Yeah, like it's, yeah. it's about like, do you want to have a really, really nice, small, I don't know, like tangerine, or do you want to have an okay orange? Yeah. You know, it's yeah. like more or, or better, you know? Yeah. And I also like have played better co-op games in the past that have had more fun playing like not yeah. co-op, but like puzzly games. I like, I like the walkie talkie mechanic yeah. a lot. Yeah. I think that's actually really fun. Um, but th th at the end of the day, it's just like, well, there are better versions of this. Yeah. So maybe come back to this if you've done them all, you know? Yeah. I think at one point I was bitching about it and you're like, we can just, there's a way we, we can just go on discord. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> yeah. well, no, that's, that's not that why I'm, that's not why I'm upset. I don't want to do that. But yeah. Um, uh, but like it, the, the thing that really brings the experience down for me, um, and it's funny, like review score wise, to me, like if this was out of five, I would have probably given it a two out of five, but out of ten, I, a six out of ten feels right for me. Sure. And I know you're like, well, isn't that a forty or like I know whatever. I, I yeah. think to me, a two out of ten says there's something wrong with this game. 
a mm-hmm. three out of ten is just it's an okay game. Yeah, I think this skews more towards something wrong with it because technically this game was so frustrating. A mess. Um, there were several times when we've had these like weird like locks in the game um, where you literally got to a situation where on your account when you were hosting a game you we couldn't Did progress in it. It nope. wouldn't progress in it. And I had to then host the game, and we got to a point where we were like a couple chapters later. I thought we did the same thing again. I yep. thought we were gonna. Yep. I was gonna lock my stuff, and we wouldn't be able to do it. Um, but fortunately, uh, it was just like a, a performance issue thing. There's many areas that just are not optimized well. So like the the performance chugs. Um, I had a bunch of horrible. I don't even know if it was screen tearing when like just a black like. It's just like visual, yeah. visual issues, yeah. yeah, like visual issues in which my whole screen was just filled with black and I couldn't see stuff, um, and like all that stuff aside, I understand it's like we were playing it before it was out, and I'm sure they're gonna fix some of this stuff, but like I'm, that we were reviewing it, they gave out review codes to me that ruined the experiment experience enough that it went from just being an okay game to almost a bad game. Well, that's the thing, and I talk about it a little bit in my review where it's like sometimes you don't mention those because like you can say, okay, this could be fixed, or you know, when you play a video game, there's a certain like threshold of bugs that you can expect because you know it, it is a piece of code and code by written by a lot of people, and it's it's not easy to do. But with this, with we were here forever, like there there was a level to it that was like, okay, this is going to take a lot of work that will not be finished by the time it comes out. Might be finished in the future, you know, like who knows, but. Yeah, it, it was a it was a buggy experience, that's for sure. And I think that tells you something about some of these puzzles that if we would have had to replay those puzzles again, I would have not have done it. I would have been like, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> like, I like I, it's not like you can just replay them and have fun doing it. I would say if I replayed uh, with my fiance, like it takes two, which mm-hmm. I know is kind of not quite the same puzzly game. That's more of a similar. Action, but, um, I, I would do that. I would yeah. not do that for this game. I like yeah. having to there's this one puzzle that we did. It was just one puzzle. And the thought of having to replay that puzzle, like if it wasn't for you, I would have just <laughs> not done that. That was the Which one was that? The, the the card one with the portals and stuff like that. Like yeah. if if like we had to figure that out again, I just was not I was not gonna do that one. Um and yeah. it wasn't even a bad puzzle. It was just having to do it again was it's, so unappealing to me. Cause like getting it right is like satisfying, but like, yeah. oh I gotta do that again. Oh gosh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no Metacritic score for it at the moment because my review is one of two. We've got my review, which is a 60%, and then God is a Geek. Who wrote this? Who wrote this? Adam Cook gave We Were Here Forever a six, the uh, 6.5 out of 10. So about about the same, you know, uh, in terms of, of what it is. No more critic reviews at this time, though, but I'm going to say that it seems like it's probably about there and like for me it would be a recommend if they fix the technical issues sure yeah um but as of now i cannot recommend it and that's why i go to that two out of five like it's not it's just like there's good things in there good parts and and i would also be interested is it odd that i would say this uh, looking back because it's from a series um looking at some of the earlier games in it because they seem shorter um uh maybe they wouldn't have these technical issues like it's not like it scared me off from the series no, uh, this is like one of those game series that people will say like cite as like, oh, you got to if you like if you want to play a co-op game. Yeah. Uh, play, you know, the We Were Here series. Um, yeah, they've gotten longer as they've they've gone on. I, I'm told I've not played them. 
Uh, I think one of my favorite parts of your review was when you talked about the story and like the medieval jester question mark. Like, <laughs> it's just like, it's like there is a story, but it's nonsense. It's not. It's not what you're playing. Like, yeah. like apparently it is a like this uh, apparently castle something hook rock hoof or something that you're in is like in all of the games. But like I just, I mean, it, it wasn't that interesting, and I would rather just shoot the shit with you and yeah. pay attention to some jester <laughs> like, being like, like, like answer my riddle like alright yeah there's these cutscenes going on cutscenes I say that there's literally a loading screen going on while people are like talking and we're just not listening to it because no. it's just like well, I don't know what's going on now whatever Metacritic it is a website that aggregates review scores as I as previously mentioned in this episode it is the end all be all for understanding if a video game is good because it gives a number and numbers uh, are facts and they don't lie and there's no nuance to them which is perfect uh, Trek to Yomi, a video game that you and I both played this week, um, has a 70 on PS5, a 76 on Xbox Series X, and a 73 on PC. Justin, Trek to Yomi, what do you think? What do you like it? Do you not? What do you plan it on? Is it on game? Are you doing it on Game Pass? Oh I am. yeah, I'm doing it on Game okay. Pass, 100. percent Do you know how much it is on like not Game Pass? I'm gonna say thirty dollars. Okay. Um, how is far did true? you get in it? I so I just finished the second chapter today. Okay, so I am on the last chapter, chapter okay. seven. Okay. So I'm significantly far, further than you are, and mm-hmm. I would say that there are significant changes to the gameplay coming up for you. Okay, exciting. Um, I like this game. I don't want to say a lot, but I really enjoy it. Okay. I also like this game, but I don't like the game part. So uh, ma- maybe it yeah. changes. Okay, it, the look on your face is telling me that that will change. Uh, I think the sword stuff is like very flighty and not good. Yeah. So um, um the <laughs> this, by I, the way, is like a is a Kurosawa inspired like two D sword fighting game um, that tells the story of a samurai in like feudal Japan. The, okay, so I think it's beautiful. Like, first of all, like you cannot look Stunning. at this game. Stunning. And uh, like, if you don't think this game is a beautiful game, um, I don't think you like video games. Like, <laughs> yes. this is like gorgeous. This is like in terms of like what the art form can do is awesome in terms of design, art, everything. the The game is kind of like a side scroller, but not really. With some like loose like three D areas, yeah. it's a lot it's a like original. Like like a, like a tank control kind of situation in certain cases, not tank control. It's like you're going through different screens, and like the perspective always changes. Yes. So you're never looking at the character from the same angle. You're never looking at the character from the same like distance. Very much like a, a Resident Evil, like the original Resident Evil. Yeah, games. yeah, sure. Um, and like I think that is like really just keeps everything very engaging. Um, there's a lot that there's uh, a, a light amount of exploring that has to go into it. There's like side rooms and like some collectibles and like mm-hmm. upgrades and like moves that you can collect. Um, but primarily this game is about the combat. Um, yeah. And the combat is starts off very. I Let's just say I like the combat, but okay. it was nothing special. Yeah. Um. And basically, you have uh, a dodge button that you don't use that much except for boss fights. Did you get to a boss fight yet, by the way? Yeah, I took care of the guy with the big spear. Okay, cool. cool. Um, so uh, the there's a dodge, 
a light attack, a strong attack, and then a button that you use to switch what direction you're facing, which I found to be quite frustrating sometimes to like, like when I'm like, I sometimes move without understanding why. Um, and then there, and then there are, um, ranged attacks, Mm -hmm. uh, and a counter button and the counter button is going to be your best friend. Yeah. But it also is like not good because your character like i'll hit the the like the counter button and my character will move like a second after i maybe it might be something with me but like it, they're slow it is a it, it's a timing thing like yeah, it, it yeah, reminds okay. me like playing this game uh this is not the best example but it does remind me a little bit more of um Sekiro in terms of like the the dime, the 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 mechanics of like getting perfect parries sure okay and they actually incentivize you to do things like get a perfect parry because if you parry someone and hit them right afterwards you They're get a, uh you get health back oh gotcha um and then they also have like a brutal attack or a finisher that if an enemy is stunned and use a finisher, you get health back. So the whole game is really about thinking like, do you want to go for this enemy and do something, an aggressive move that's going to leave the enemy stunned so you can get a finisher to get some health back? Or are you going to be defensive and hold back and parry them and block them in order to get your health back if you need to do it? Mm-hmm. And as the game keeps going, not only does the visual appeal of the game ramp up in really interesting ways. The gameplay itself gets better because you unlock new combos and you unlock new enemy types and the enemies get harder and more of them. Uh, so like you get into like a, a, like a combat encounter when you, all right, you got one of these guys that levitates. You got one of these guys that throws swords at you. You got one of these guys that's just a basic bitch that like is like going to hmm. be there to attack you if you get stunned. Um, and then they just keep increasing like the kinds of encounters that you have. So, as you keep playing, I think the game gets better. To the fact when I, in chapter six, I got to this combat encounter that took me 45 minutes. I was playing it in bed on my um, uh, backbone last yeah, okay. night, which, by the way, don't recommend because literally the backbone was like up to my eyes because it <laughs> yeah, was so yeah, yeah. small. Um, but I was playing in my backbone and it was like, it was like 1130 at night. My fiance's sleeping. My dog's sleeping. I had to sit up. I'm like, oh, this is a sit, sit up game kind of time right now. Yeah. So I'm like sitting up in bed, like playing it. Um and, like, it was frustrating, but, like, it was satisfying. And, like, I like the kind of gameplay in which I know I can beat that. I have the tools to beat that. Yeah. I don't have to go back and level up. Mm-hmm. I don't have to find another thing. I don't have to find another route. I don't have to get here with more health. I can beat this. It's hard. It's going to take me a bunch of times, but I can get through it. And I feel like the combat, while simple at first, gets more complicated in a way that makes it engaging. And it's not the best combat ever. But it's serviceable enough to keep me going, and it's mixing it up to a place where I really do enjoy it a lot. Sure. No, I, I completely agree. I, um, I'm i excited from hearing from you that it is going to get better and get different um, because I've gotten to the point where I'm like, all right, you know, parry yeah, slash slash and I, slash I, slash. I, I think uh, reading a lot of the reviews, a lot of the people say that the combat's not great. The The game itself is just kind of like... You know, it's fun to watch, but like the there's a good story, but like the gameplay is just very basic. I don't agree with that. I think there is like enough to the game to keep it interesting. Mm-hmm. And in fact, this is where I'm going to be controversial. Go ahead. A game that everyone loves and a game that I kind of as I'm playing and comparing it to sort of uh, inside mm-hmm. or uh, what's the other one they made? 
little boy mm-hmm. with a big head. Mm-hmm. There's a big spider. Spider, yeah. Um, you get to the end and then it starts again. Yeah. Um, Limbo. Limbo. To me, this game is better than that. Interesting. Okay. I've not played Limbo. Inside, but. Then, but uh, inside is better than Limbo. Yeah. Um, but like, I'm enjoying this game more than both of those for two reasons. Reason one, the story. Really good. Very good. And it only gets better. Okay. Number two, the it's the gameplay I like more because I feel more active than when I'm playing Limbo. The puzzle solving in Limbo, it's like one of those things like it might be hard to do. You know what to do. You just got to do it. Yeah. And I don't enjoy I didn't enjoy that. I am enjoying the hell out of this. And the reason that I just get a little frustrated is that, oh, well, Limbo is a 10, everyone. Trek to Yomi, though, no, it's, 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 a, it's a six. It's a seven. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I feel do. like it's just like these two games are servicing the same general aesthetic, the same market. Um, the, I don't think the platforming in Limbo or Inside is amazing. No, because, um, like, that's the thing. Like, those games sort of play like I'm not to be I'm not trying to be reductive but they sort of play themselves yeah because they don't require like that much to like actually play same thing here at least where I'm at like you don't have to think about it too hard but the gameplay at least for me is not exactly the entire point of the game yeah uh it is not a like there's a difference between saying it has like good graphics and great visuals this game has extraordinary visuals yeah oh yeah extraordinary i'm also so uh i have an oled tv i am playing so it's all in black and white because it's it's like kind of like a it's like a kurosawa film all in black and white it is insane to look at just because it is so like the contrast is so crazy um i this is like the perfect game for the switch it's not on the switch but um it would be a great Switch game. What's your face for? And it'd be so especially it, great on the on an OLED Switch. It was so hard to play on the Backbone, and I understand the Switch screen, the OLED screen is bigger than than, than that. Your phone, yeah. But there are some times though when you're so small on the screen that it was really a struggle for me to like do it. Okay, and sure. Like to a point when I was like going through that combat encounter, I was like, I need to go on my Xbox, but I was like, no, I'm going to do this. I got this. I got this. I got this. I got this. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. So. Um, so the the game itself is only twenty bucks, by the way. Oh, okay, that's not there's bad. no reason if you don't have Game Pass to first of all fucking buy Game Pass. But to I would say this is a to me this is a game that if you're interested in something like this you should get. Because uh, I mean, like you know, it's on PlayStation Two. Yeah, uh, not PlayStation Two, but PlayStation as and well. PlayStation seemed to be the marketing partner for this game too, which is baffling because it's on Game Pass. It's on Game Pass, yes, so, I agree. Like, thank you, Sony, for the marketing. I guess. Um, um, but I, I would say in my you know I played it an hour and a half, two hours maybe. I agree. I think it is worth it if you're playing on PlayStation. Spend twenty bucks. This is a this is a fucking video game ass video game in terms of like, got a great story. It's got great visuals. Uh, it's got an interesting soundtrack. Play it. Yeah. Um. Negatives. The negatives that uh, uh this game has uh uh have to do with a lot of like the replayability factor. Um, sure. The you, there once you beat the game, there's no chapter select, which I think is a problem yeah. with this game. Um, there's also no, like, this would be a great game to have, like, an arcade mode to it, like, have more and more, like, complicated bad guys thrown at you. Um, they don't really have any of that. Uh, the Platinum list is also horrible. Um, is it? And, and that's why, like, a, a thing like Stanley Parable, like, that makes you want to go back and add something to it. This one, it's like, beat the game um, uh, on the hardest difficulty level, which is basically, like, one hit, you're dead. 
um, yeah. pick up all the collectibles. But the problem is you have to collect them all in the same run. There's oh, no yeah, chapter that's true. You can't, you can't go back. Yeah. Yeah. There's like a lot of those little things that just don't make it fun. So like I personally am not the kind of person who's going to go back and play this game again. There is a person that I think would because I think the harder this game is, the more fun it is. Like if it is like that, like you die, um, be, like on one hit, and you have to st- like start again. Maybe not the whole game, but like there are like there is a challenge to it. Yeah, I think this game is would be really bad on the easy difficulty level because mm-hmm. if it's just the story and the basic gameplay of it, it's not going to be great. But that challenge and the harder it gets, I think that's when the game and the combat starts to be a little bit better. Um, but uh, the other thing that I'm not a a, a person who's hard of seeing. It's really hard to read the text frequently. The subtitles on this game are a crime. Yeah, it's criminal. It's horrible. Yeah. It's 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 white text and a black and white video game. So like 50% of the time it's illegible. Yep. All it would have taken is an option to put some sort of transparent background behind it, um make the text bigger even cuz it's pretty small um or like Give the text a shadow or an outline or yep. literally anything. Uh, yep. I was surprised to see that it did not have any sort of options with that. But and there was a bunch of times too, like when you're like moving and doing traversal stuff, and like text is coming up, and then you can't like read it because it's done in Japanese. You can't read it while doing the stuff, and I feel like I have to stop to watch the character say something. Yeah. Um. I. I. This is just a me thing. I wish there was a dub, an English dub. I understand why they wouldn't. Is a stylistic yep. choice, but. In terms of being something that is accessible for people, I think that's that could be a barrier. Um, and I don't know. I think it would make it would make me enjoy the game more. Well, here's the thing. Uh, yes, it is a stylistic choice, but especially given the fact that there are no subtitle options, that that you cannot switch them around, that you, that you can't like mm-hmm. make them bigger or better yep. or like more yep. legible and visible, then I think it is their responsibility to put in yeah another dub. Again, I get the artistic. Uh, uh, side of it but it's also a video game that people are going to play and not everyone can read your tiny ass subtitles yep overall i rec i I recommend the game uh i would say strongly um and uh at the very least the story will keep you going through the game yeah i uh i would recommend as well uh but i'm still early so I'll, i'll give you more of my thoughts in next week justin we're doing a long one today is that cool with you uh yeah i might have to pee at one point because i did drink a lot of this coffee cool i drank uh, two and a half cups of orange juice at the beginning of this we're taking a little break to go pee (laughs) and we're back (laughs) and Uh, i feel better than ever i do too i I was getting a little nervous to be honest with you yeah um strap in listener we're we're just we're gonna do a little bit of a long one this week because let's let's talk about some news some big stuff happened this week mainly uh the big thing the big story to break this week is that uh Crystal Dynamics, Eidos Montreal, and Square Enix Montreal are, uh, it looks like they're going to be purchased by Embracer Group. Now, Embracer Group is a very big conglomerate of um, studios and companies that uh, own uh, uh, studios like Gearbox and um, who else do they own? Uh, THQ Nordic. That's what it is. Because uh, they've got their showcase that they do every year that's always like, oh, yeah, you guys do like <laughs> remaking Sponge- every game that we all Sponge forgot Bob about games and stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, 
So it looks like they are going to be purchased for $300 million in terms of these big studio purchases. Uh, and along, along with these studios, they are getting IPs such as Tomb Raider, Deus Ex, Legacy of Kane has been brought up a few times. That is a dormant franchise, but it was brought up. Um, those are some big names uh, that that are being purchased alongside the studios for $300 million, which makes me sort of think like you got a major deal on your hands, Embracer Group. Like that is pretty cheap, especially in terms of when you look at like um, the like amounts that other studios are purchased for the fact that you're getting three right here for such a deal is, is a little astounding. Uh, and it's curious what that says about what square Enix thinks about these three studios. But what do you think about this, Justin? Uh, this is shocking news. Um, not so much uh, about them Square selling off some of their companies because we heard them bitching about them for years about yes. like, not making enough money, not making enough money. Um, but like the Embracer Group is an odd choice because I think at this price, what company wouldn't have come in? Like, why wouldn't Microsoft come in to do this? Why wouldn't Sony come in to do this? Why wouldn't EA come in to to do this? Yeah. Like, yeah. this seems like something that uh, would be appealing enough to to um, other companies to bring them in. However, it also kind of spoke to me about these companies, these games must have really not been making money. I guess. And I understand that these are valuable IPs, but like for them to sell something off like that for that little of money, I think little, he says, wishing he had even a a quarter of it. (laughs) Three hundred million dollars. A a, a thousandth of it. Yes. Um, the, it must have been financially not great. Like maybe these companies were just like working at budgets that their sales just never uh, went to. Um, and I don't know if that's mismanagement by Square Enix or just them really, really, really not reading the market well for some of these games. Because again, from from my perspective, these games I thought sold well. <laughs> I mean, I think one of the things that they showed in there was how much um, the Tomb Raider series made. Oh, let's take a look here. I've got it right here. So, um... So this is this is like total uh, uh, units. Um, Tomb Raider has sold 88 million units uh, since 1996, since it was first founded, uh, and 38 million of those uh, were from the 2013 reboot, uh, just Tomb Raider, then Rise of the Tomb Raider, and then Shadow of the Tomb Raider. So more than half of those have been, uh, or not more than half, uh, nearly half of those have been sold. Uh, for the for the the remake of it i mean three games averaging that much money like or that many sales like that's great yeah like and and they've got the average metacritic score here too of 81 percent. like they are reviewed well and i mean laura croft my parents know who laura croft is i think it's because angelina jolie um but like (laughs) she's the only one uh what's her name is uh laura croft too the lady from ex machina whatever uh what i'm trying to say is uh like this is an iconic series like an iconic series that they got along with the studio that makes it uh for real cheap yeah yeah and then obviously uh gardens of the galaxy uh the avengers we all know the avengers had issues with it but gardens of the galaxy was a good game 
Um, like th- those come with it, right? Do is that is that confirmed? I think it is. I think you're right. Yeah, because I'm pretty sure they talked about. Um, I forget what company is taking over of Marvel's The Avengers, so they're not canceling it. They're continuing support of it. You're right. You're right. You're you are absolutely right. Um, and this guy over here loves Deus Ex. Have you played a Deus Ex game? Uh, I played Human Revolution uh, several years after it came out. I didn't get it because I thought it was a shooter. Like, I didn't understand. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, I didn't yeah. engage with it the right way. Uh, it's the kind of thing that now is absolutely my shit. Um, but, Which yeah. is why you should go back and play Prey. <laughs> maybe, maybe. I mean, maybe. Uh, Agree to disagree. <laughs> uh, maybe it is, you know, but... Um, yeah, no, this this is only to me. I, I look at this and like this is a good thing for those franchises that we like. Uh, I think Hitman too um, is there. They got. Why are you making that face? So I don't know. I don't think this is the deal that makes me feel like this is good for the for these companies because if these studios are working over their budget and not making profit, you take the big the big owner away from it and you give it to another company whose whole thing is really about just collecting as many things as possible to turn a profit i would assume that they're not going to have the same amount of funding anymore they're not going to have that support to help them be profitable and keep making these really really high tier quality games um and Hmm. i I mean i hope i'm wrong obviously i never want to see anything fail yeah like i want more games like guardians of the galaxy and that's a big budget game, and I don't know if this is the kind of a group that is going to help support that. Yeah, I, I do know what you mean, but then you look at, like, you know, Gearbox has had continued success um, since being purchased and, and, and all that. Um, I, I, do, I do know what you mean, but for me, it is sort of like, we don't know what Embracer's plans are with this and what... And, and, all that at least publicly we don't know um but you have to imagine it's going to be better than square enix because square enix just would be like negging these studios right (laughs) like like they release a fucking awesome game whether it's guardians of the galaxy or any of the tomb raider games or you know uh it's not called adam jensen we were just talking about it uh day sex you went for adam jensen that's his name and he he talks like this uh uh you, you know you you have these great games and then square enix is like we fucking hate that like why we, we like it's such a disappointment we're so embarrassed by this and it's like come on you know yeah um they, they did not sell off all of their uh ips though obviously like the main square like uh, your final fantasies and and stuff like that are still there and, cl- and they're uh keeping life is strange and in an in an interesting move in my opinion outriders uh, which uh, has failed to make a profit <laughs> after a year after the year of it existing. Well, is it so? Is it not necessarily that they made a profit? Like, there's something about like the deal. I forget what the exact deal was. They got like royalties. They the company hasn't gotten their royalty check yet, or so something like that. People can fly is the studio that made it. They made yeah. um, what is that other game? Bulletstorm and and something else as well. Um, basically they did the deal with like game pass. Um, and I think how it ended up shaking out is that square said, we, you know, we will get you those royalty checks as soon as the development costs have, or, or whatever cost, whether that was the game pass launch or whatever, as soon as all, as soon as we make all of that back, you will start getting some checks. 
And so they have not gotten any checks, which just means that, like, hey, we probably did not, uh, unless Square Enix is stiffing us that money, like, we probably did not. <laughs> this did not sell very well. Um, they're, they're coming out of the DLC in the next month, right? Yeah. Their yeah. first, like, is it a paid DLC? I would have to imagine it is, but I don't know. It's pretty nice. But that, I mean, that's part of the thing that worries me, too, because, like, the only reason we have Outriders is because Square Enix is funding it. Right, exactly. So you take that away, and then you have these companies who are not as functional. And not saying the Embracer Group can't help give them money and support them and stuff like that. I just wonder if the scale of the games that we have been getting is going to be lessened because they can't afford to have these big, big AAA games. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Um, it's it is tough to say. Uh, I wish Outriders was better. <laughs> I didn't. Did you ever end up finishing it? No, because I, I I like. I know I could have just brought the world tier down. I know I could have done that. That's what I, I did. Didn't. And it, but it didn't do anything for me. Yeah. Like it didn't. It didn't make the game suddenly very fun. Yeah. But. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so who knows? <laughs> uh, Square Enix owns Outriders. Is, is I guess the end of the at the end of the day is what this is all saying. Um, that Square Enix still has that, which is odd because again they were just like, well, it was very disappointing to us. Um, so I guess maybe we can expect maybe an Outriders two, or maybe they're holding on to the IP so that they can be the ones cashing the checks of any Outriders money that that's coming in to maybe recoup those costs. I mean, I, maybe uh, I would hope. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I mean, you hate to see when it when a when a game that had that moment in the sun of being pretty popular because when Outriders first came out, it was all over the place. It was everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Part of that might have been Game Pass, but um, it was still like people were talking about it for a good month, and I think once people beat the game, they stopped talking about it. So I, I don't know. I just. There's something else going on other than Square Enix not just like being disappointed with them. Like why why were all of these companies not making money? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Or Although, at least meeting sales expectations. I saw some um some theorizing going on where people were like, "Yo, what if um Square is trying to reduce its price if, if it's looking to be acquired?" So they're trying to say like, "Okay, well we have all this dead weight, not dead weight, but like you know, these studios that we're like not entirely behind, um, you know, we are always disappointed with their sales and, and all that sort of stuff. Uh, and then, you know, like last week we talked about the president of the company saying like, uh, Western, what was it like that, that games made about Western things by Japanese companies like are not good and, and people don't like them or whatever. So they might be trying to slim down in order to get acquired. I don't know if I love that idea, but like, you know, people have always talked about, the fact that the company would be interested would be potentially a good fit for something like uh, Sony to buy. Um, I think I was it was either kind of funny games daily or PS I love you uh, XOXO last week, um, and Greg Miller was uh, talking about this uh, situation. He talked about how a couple of weeks ago or m months ago at this point how he had three rumors about Sony. And yeah. one of those rumors was that he confirmed on there that he thought was going to happen was Sony was going to buy Square Enix. So I wonder if he's talking about, like, if Square Enix was 
trying to sell these properties to PlayStation or it was selling the whole company to PlayStation. But mm. here's the thing. I don't suddenly think that $300,000 would have been a deal breaker for Sony. $300 million, sorry. Not that $300 million is, is chump change here, but like, would that be the thing that put them over? Maybe. I mean, like, Sony is... I think it's important to remember, Microsoft has a fuck ton of money because they are uh, of their com- like computers, right? Because of Windows and, and the rest of the Microsoft um uh brand right they do phones they do computers they do uh all sorts of things in addition to xbox and we talked about how xbox kind of used to be like a pet project right but then now they're raking in all of this cash with game pass and everything else sony does not have that kind of money yeah they make movies yeah you know like yeah they do that but it's they're rarely received very well like you look at like Morbius or like the emoji movie or like really anything else. Sony pictures other than the Spider-Man movies. And like, they just don't, they're, they're just not that huge. So I, I don't know, $300 million to me, it sounds like it could be a deal breaker for Sony to buy something. And just to add more context, um, this is according to, uh, I mean, uh, I'm going to say this looks, uh, uh, credible com- comparably.com great um love it microsoft versus sony um so uh microsoft is valued at 1.91 trillion dollars yeah. while sony has a market cap of 76.24 billion dollars yes. so obviously we're talking about huge differences here major for- major corporations a lot of money in those but that is a vast difference right um, but I also feel like Sony would have been like, yo, I want those. <laughs> like, I think like when you're selling those, like, yeah, maybe ha- if Sony had Tomb Raider and if Sony had um, more Marvel games in their portfolio, if Sony had like if, if they had those like, though, I would think those are things that Sony would be chomping at the bit for. Yeah. But don't you worry about like, OK, we have Tomb Raider. I guess it's also kind of like Uncharted. Like, like I think some of those things they they have covered, right? Now that they have Bungie, I guess we don't really need um, Avengers, Outriders, you know, or, or Outriders. <laughs> like yeah. we have we have Destiny now. Um, we don't need a tom- Tomb Raider because we have Uncharted and we have The Last of Us and we have you know whatever else other uh, the other games that are are similar to those. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, so I do I do see what you mean. Of course, they would see value in those, but it could also be like okay, well we could get Square Enix for Final Fantasy and whatever else they're making. You know, Life is Strange, whatever for a reduced price, or we can sort of double up on some of our franchises for an additional 300 million. I mean, what is yeah right? What does Square have left though? Final Fantasy, that that baby franchise. No, <laughs> no one, one plays that. No one plays Final Fantasy. No, no. This is true. I was talking to Elena last night. I was like, I think I want a Final Fantasy X tattoo. <laughs> and I think I'm gonna get one. I don't oh, know okay. yet. <laughs> I, I thought she was gonna be like Final Fantasy. <laughs> no, no. She knows. She's familiar. <laughs> She's heard me talk about it, ramble about it. Speaking of Bungie, what's that? I was going to say, you're like in the middle of like your sleep talking. Final Fantasy X. Tattoo. <laughs> tattoo. Final Fantasy X. Uh, speaking of Bungie, uh, Sony owned a company now. Um, so, if you're not familiar, which you should be, uh, there is some pretty fucked up stuff going on right now in the United States of America in terms of women's reproductive health um, that has been 
front and center right now with our government uh, potentially overturning um, the Roe versus Wade case that would put limits on um, abortions and other reproductive care that women, uh, people with uteruses receive. Bungie came out and said they've got this little press release from May 4th saying Bungie supports essential health care rights. Uh, just a little blurb talking about uh, how at Bungie, this is what they believe in terms of the politics of all this and how um, that the how it is an attack and a blow uh, to freedom to, to people's freedom and to human rights. And they have all these wonderful resources for for people interested in that stuff and looking to to help out with that sort of stuff as well on twitter they tweeted this out and then a bunch of fucking neanderthal dipshits were like <laughs> like i don't know like keep games out of politics whatever the hell and then their whoever's running their twitter account is just like you should get a raise by it, the way it, it's just like no it, it's awesome it's great uh and it is a little bit of light in a, an extremely dark and dire situation um what do you think about that? Uh, like, uh, to me, positive. It is a positive thing that they are out here raising awareness of this, and also shooting down people who are who are responding to it in a negative way, in a shut up and make a video game sort of way. What do you think? So, from a teacher's perspective, mm -hmm. one of the most uncomfortable parts about my job is dealing with politics because sure. we come from a school like uh, the school I work at is. Not not the most like split school of all time, um, but there's still you know varying uh, opinions and viewpoints that go through your school. And I'm going to use the 2016 election for example because when um, Donald Trump won that election, there was a lot of uncertainty, a lot of worry, a lot of all this stuff. Um, and we were told as teachers not to talk about it and share our opinions about what we thought. Mm -hmm. Like we couldn't share our opinions. And I think that is bad, right? I 100% agree. Now, if I was a teacher saying you need to think the way I do, that's a problem. There's no, like that, you, you can't do that I, as a teacher. I can't like sure, tell a student, yeah. like you're wrong for thinking that. But I think it's so important to know when I'm listening to an authority figure, teacher, um, I got to know what my teacher thinks. And I know got to know where they come from because that, provides context for what they're saying and how they're saying things. Yeah. I think with companies, that's just as important to know where your company stands on these issues. Yeah. Um, any time, kind of political issue to know, not that the company should tell you what to think, but the, but that company stands for this and they should be able to say what they stand for. Yeah. Now there are going to be consequences for that good or bad consequences. I'm sure some people are like bungee rocks. Other people are like bungee sucks. That happens. Um, but I think there needs to be this transparency um, and to like know what a company stands for. I think if I worked at a company, I want to know what the company stands for. Yes. Um, and this is not just all about like thinking about things like, you know, reproductive rights. This has to do with a lot of companies out there who um, have like political beliefs that might not align with my own. Um, I think the company needs to let me know that they shouldn't hide that. They don't I, like I don't want a company to be like sleazy about that. Um, the example I, I, I used when we were talking about this before is like Chick-fil-A, like knowing that Chick-fil-A has actively like lobbied against like, you know, uh, uh, gay rights and things like that. Yeah. Not. I think that's important to know, because then as a consumer, yes. it's my job to make that decision about if I'm going to eat a, a Chick-fil-A or not. Um, and I, I know like a lot of companies out there probably that I 
buy and, and support and with my money, probably agree with things that I don't agree with and support things I don't agree with. Um, but I, I, it would be a different conversation if it was really obvious what these companies did. And I think it's important that we have these conversations. We talk about these differences and things like that. I think this ties well into a conversation we had a few months ago about like Hogwarts legacy, mm-hmm. right? As to what you're saying about like, you know, there are going to be companies that you don't agree with, right? And that, you know, stand for things that you don't stand for and whatever. And it's important to know that stuff so you can come to a decision about it, right? Do you want to support this? Yes or no? And then you can have that conversation about, I, you know, I bought this game or, you know, I did this, whatever. But we need to talk about this part of it. And here, you know, here's here's what that means. I think this is awesome that they're out here saying um, Bungie supports healthcare rights. Because also, things aren't made in a vacuum, right? Like, not only is it art, and but I'm going to assume Destiny says nothing about women's reproductive rights. It might. I could be wrong, but I'm going to say that there's nothing in the like the text of Bun- of of Destiny Two to talk about that. But this is a game that is made by people with uteruses and people who are going to be affected by this. The company needs to let those people know what they think, and it should. And I think it's a good thing that they are taking standing out and saying, "Hey, we we think this. We believe this." Yeah. Because then go ahead, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Because then you have other companies here. Uh, 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 Double Fine comes out and says says the same thing, right? They they join them and and saying, "Hey, we believe this. We here are here are resources you can look at. Here are things you can do." Um, it it opens the door when a big company like Bungie steps out and says that. I think one of the most important things for workplace is the company culture that that company has and the mm-hmm. and the culture that they have. So if they're company culture says this is what we find important this is what we value um you know politics aside i think that's important for any company to have so when you have employees working there they know what their company stands for and they can feel proud or not proud of that so i think from a bungee perspective i think it's great for their company from an industry perspective i think it's just good for context for people to know this kind of stuff so i I, more people need to be open about this stuff i think about like what they believe in um but um I know it can be hard in business because you you tell any marketing person, right? A marketing person who got a degree and gets paid to to focus on dollars and cents will tell you that this is a bad marketing decision. And I because, don't disagree right. with that. It's going to lose money. Um, not necessarily this will lose money, but it is going to affect bottom lines and, and uh, some people's perceptions of the company. Yes. Um, but that doesn't mean that that the money is always the right thing to follow. Well, it, it reminds me a little bit. These are obviously different issues, but back when Wolfenstein 2 was getting ready to come out, um, uh, like the the slogan on one of the trailers was like "Make America Nazi Free Again." Obviously, riffing off of Donald Trump's "Make America Great Again" slogan. And there were like interviews about like, "Are you, you know, you're you're taking this stand? Like, are you worried about that?" And they're all like, "Yeah, we don't want Nazis playing our game, so no." You know, <laughs> you know, like, hey, uh, 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 like. It might lose them a little bit of face with people who are going to purchase the game, but yep. at the end of the day, they're taking a stand and saying like, "Fuck these people." It they don't. I don't. I don't need your money. Right. Like we're, we're right. and and ultimately, if you're pandering towards Nazis, that that's right. Like, come on, cool. <laughs> like, oh, like great company there. Yeah. Um. So there you go. Take a step off our soapboxes for a second. This is a good thing. Uh. And 
<laughs> our government from should whatever be ashamed way you of look itself. at it. I think it's a good thing. So yes. this is great. I agree. I agree. Um, in other troubling news, <laughs> uh, we're here all together, y'all, and that is a good thing uh, that we can be together <laughs> to to talk about these things. Nintendo. We talked about this a few weeks ago, saying that we would uh, discuss this when more of the story had sort of broken. Uh, Some. Not great things about Nintendo's relationship with contract employees has come out. Uh, there's a wonderful feature uh, here on IGN.com linked into the description by Cat Bailey titled Inside the Growing Discontent Behind Nintendo's Fun Facade. So Nintendo gets has this reputation, right, of being about putting fun first. Their whole thing. What was it? Like Reggie had a thing where he said, like, if it's not fun, why bother? Right. And that that's sort of the. Uh, impression that a lot of people get from Nintendo, myself included. You know, there are stories about I- Iwata talking to people who just work at the company that don't necessarily play video games, sitting down with them and saying, what do you think about this? And they're like, oh, I'm just a custodian here or whatever. And he's like, no, no, no. Like, I w- like play this game. T- tell me about it. How- like, that sounds awesome. But it- it's not that way necessarily. Uh, some contract employees have come out and said, that it was a horrific experience because they were treated as second-class citizens in terms of, like, um, access to things like bathrooms and, and um, like, the more, like, fun aspects of, like, working in a Nintendo office and stuff like that um, based on, like, badges and, and things. Um, what do you have to say about this, Justin? I just want to throw it to you. I guess I don't have a question to throw to you, but I know you have feelings about this and thoughts, and I want to hear them. Yeah, I think um, running a company is hard because often, as we were talking about before, when you're running a company, what you think about are the dollars and the profit and the, those kind of margins and things like that. You're, you're trying to make be a profitable business, right? Yeah. So company like Nintendo, they want to make a profit. That's what they're going for. And sometimes the right choice is the expensive choice. <laughs> yes, yes. And what I mean by that is looking at making sure that you pay people fairly for the work they do is expensive. Yes. Um, video games, video editing, technology is a labor-intensive, time-intensive job. Like, yeah. video games are really expensive and take a lot of time to make. Um, and N- Nintendo does not is not free of worrying about money. They want to have good profits. So they have their investors happy and they have this kind of stuff. So one of the things I'm sure like when they're looking at, should we hire this contractor full time, giving them these benefits, giving them this more money, doing all this stuff. That's expensive. Why, you know, from a company perspective, why would you do that? But from a culture perspective, which I think is just as important, that is how you create culture. Right. Having the haves and the have nots in your company, having the people who are doing almost the same amount of work as the people um, who are, you know, full time employees, but getting paid less, not having the benefits of it. That creates a rift that creates resentment that creates people who are unhappy. Um, And I'm going to you know, I want to assume here that Nintendo is not malicious about this. They are not purposely segregating these contract workers and things like that um, because they don't like them or they don't value them. I'm going to I'm going to hope that Nintendo just did this because they're not thinking of the whole picture in this situation mm-hmm. and they are not they it's their move to now make sure that they make their workers valued and they make these contractors and they give these contractors the ability to uh have career mobility. 
Um, because I think Nintendo is a destination for a lot of people. A lot of people would bust their butts and do more than they have to do to work at Nintendo because Nintendo is that company you dream of working at. Yeah. Um, and if they want to have the best at their company, they got to make sure that they get the best and train the best and keep the best invested in Nintendo. And if you do that by having your contractors unhappy and resent you, that is not going to create a good culture. So when I read this, Nintendo made a lot of mistakes. Nintendo has a lot of work to do with their employees. They got to they gotta now work to fix that. Those are my general thoughts on this. Um, but, you know, companies are companies, and this happens all the time. And I think it's important stuff like this comes out because uh, a good company will self-reflect and think about what they need to do different to be better. And I think this is a good moment for Nintendo to look at themselves and be like, have we been forgetting what makes us special? I agree. And I, I think that this is sort of an interesting juxtaposition for what we were just talking about with Bungie, right? About how making choices to improve, like, you know, worker morale and and that sort of thing uh, generally costs money <laughs> because caring about people when you're a business costs money. Giving them health care, giving them the care that they need costs money. And so it, it's very easy for people who have to look at business moves about in dollars and cents to say, okay, well, we're just not going to do that. But when you do that, you get uh, this this person on Twitter uh, at the boinks <laughs> tweeted this. So they, they quote tweeted uh, a Stephen Totillo article. Stephen Totillo works for Axios. Uh, he is a reporter. Uh, so the boinks tweet, uh, quote tweeted it and said, uh, quote tweeted the initial report about Nintendo's violation of uh, labor I issues uh, said working for Nintendo contract for three plus years was one of the most stressful and awful experiences of my life. Coworkers were great, but I was constantly under pressure of being let go for little things like going to the bathroom or being stuck in traffic an extra two minutes before work. Um, that's <laughs> horrible. And from a, like you're saying from a business perspective, yeah, it's probably cheaper to just have these contractors and to say, Oh, you're not productive enough. Well, you're let go. But that's bad. Like, like that is that's a bad way to run your company in terms of like keeping people around and, and establishing a and making people want to come to work. Right. Because if you feel like you're constantly like flying by the seat of your pants and like barely making it through every single week, you're going to get burnt out and you're, you're burnt out and you're not going to want to work there. And it goes from being a dream job to kind of like a nightmare scenario. Um this is it's for me it is disheartening to read uh because you know you want to assume that a company like nintendo who seems to be so based around like having fun and and having a a nice work culture for people to um like show up to work every day you you'd, you'd want that to be good and and fun but it is uh not that for everyone and that's disappointing so as you said you hope that they move on from here and that this is the moment to say, okay, we're going to change how we look at this and how we do this, but who knows? And I've worked with a lot of people in my life, and I know for a fact not every employee is a saint. Not every employee no, is, not. like, you know, like, trying their hardest every day and, like, really, like, you know, if if they're late for work, it's not always for a valid reason. Um, but one of the things that you should do as a company is make sure that you have pathways for these employees who are good employees to to. to get hired and, and either improve or to get in the company. And that's what it seems like Nintendo's lacking. And I think that's the really inexcusable thing that they're just hiring these, these contractors momentarily to, you know, get, have a better profit rather than them actually like 
caring about their work and finding good workers and employees. And it ends up hurting good employees instead of um, helping them. And that's the thing. It's just if if you are treated this way and you, you like don't get to use like, I don't know, the bathroom without being fear of fired, like you are not going to do your work well and you're not going right. to enjoy what you do and then ultimately it's just going to be a bad situation so nintendo be better do better you have the ability to we hope that you will i don't want to end here justin i want to no? talk about returnal oh because I, I don't know i feel like where, go where we started like, yes oh bring it back around yeah, a returning yeah. cycle interesting yeah uh, real quick what do you think about the name returnal i think it's a great name it's, yeah. it's very memorable simple simple um it it tells you what the game's about you return forever eternally yeah eternally return yeah um and it's just like it's a little fun little buzz i could also see it as an arcade game which is also appropriate for house mark can you imagine this being like a like a like a d make like an arcade like twin stick shooter kind of thing i could see that yeah a lot of tentacles yeah so let's talk about returnal justin you finished it i finished it many moons ago um tell me i guess give me your complete oh uh spoilers <laughs> we're gonna be spoiling returnal a little bit here uh so if you are done if you're not finished with it or or care about the spoilers for it go ahead and uh dip out here we appreciate you listening uh let us know on twitter what you think you know at hitbox pod the whole the whole usual shebang we'll catch you next week for you know discussions about what something about cereal i don't remember what it was um uh is cereal a soup uh, right slash uh, what is your favorite soup slash debate slash yeah. if cereal is a soup do they count slash we'll your see. pizza idea was that a soup or a cereal uh what constitutes cereal We'll talk about it. So uh, <laughs> so if, if you uh, can't get down with Returnal Spoilers, we'll catch you next week. But if you can, welcome to the Spoiler Zone, everyone. Pew, pew, pew. Yeah, the Spoiler Zone. Uh, let's talk about Returnal. Justin, so tell me, what did you think about the ending of Returnal? What, like, like, what are your overall thoughts about, the, I guess, the whole thing? Question mark? So uh, I, would, I, would, I would have to say the story, let me down is the wrong word, Um that one cut scene after you beat Nemesis, that one where you live your life and die, mm -hmm. I never saw it till I played the game. Mm -hmm. And when I heard it, I was like, oh, this is going to be freaking awesome. Mm -hmm. And then I saw it, and I was a little disappointed with it because it was ambiguous oh. and vague. <laughs> yeah, yes. <laughs> you know, and then that's when you have to realize a lot of this story is ambiguous and vague, um, which is nothing wrong. I think that's great. And I think the cool thing about this story is not experiencing the story as much as researching the story and then putting dots together on your own. It's yes. like the, it's like the big like conspiracy theory map everywhere about like, what does this actually mean? Um, cause I think the narrative itself, the promise of the narrative is cool, but I think some of the ex execution isn't great at all times. Yeah. Um, like, for it's example, not, it's, it's, it's not like a it is not a game where you can like walk away being like, I understood that narrative 100 yeah. percent. You have yeah. to like stew on it and like look for more details and stuff. What is your example? Go ahead. Like I thought when for that third uh, biome cutscene, I thought that was going to give us more context for everything that happened. Instead, mm. it was just a very like. Like like snapshot version of her getting older playing piano. Yes. And really, like, the montage of her living her life was her playing piano with young hands, cut, <laughs> they're old. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. Um, so I thought they could have done more with that. But that's not the point of the game, right? Like, that really isn't the point of the game, I no. don't think, the, the story. The, the, 
the cool thing about the game is how the gameplay, the story they give you all fit together in a way that most games don't. How w- playing the game is the story. Uh, yes, I would say that the game is not a narrative-driven game, is a thematic-driven game. Right, right. And for me, the game would have been perfect if it was more of a narrative-driven game. Oh, interesting, interesting. I would, I, I think it is has a perfect level of ambiguity to it. Um, I, I agree. I, but I think there, the, the story itself could have been more on its own. Gotcha. I see what you mean. I see what um, you mean. Like, I think uh, the voice actor played Celine is great. I wish she did more. Um. In cutscenes, rather than the great, weird, creepy, vibe-inducing audio logs, right? Yeah. I'd love to see her interact with more people um, and do more with other people, but that's not the point of the game. Because the point of the game is that you're stuck in her head. <laughs> At least that's my interpretation of it. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, there is a there is a there are a lot of theories about this game. Um, one is that she is dead and that she is sort of like stuck in purgatory after, uh, neglectfully killing her daughter. Um, was that her daughter or son? I thought that was her son. I guess that was a boy in the car. Uh, could I, it's been a long time since I played it. (laughs) So I, maybe it was a boy. Let me just, yeah. It's kind of ambiguous. Like they had kind of like longer hair. Not that Uh, that means uh, anything, but side note, um, that was the ugliest cutscene I've ever seen in my life. The that one ugly. Of, of they're going over the, the edge. Yeah, when they're going over the ledge, like like driving through the forest. It like took me back to like just I'm playing a video game rather than in this beautiful like <laughs> yeah, alien yeah. world. It was like, oh, just that car doesn't look great. The forest doesn't look great. Like it sure. was it just seemed like it was from a different game rather than the game that I was like everything else about it was so beautiful. But that's side side note, side note. Um yeah, so the the she dies. Uh, it is a theory that that uh, Selena is stuck in purgatory and that um, she is reliving these moments again and again and again and again. Um, what do you think? You think it's all in her head? Yeah, I think this game is really about her dealing with a traumatic event when she was a uh, was a kid, and I think the from reading everything, that kid in the car is not her kid. It's okay. Go on, because I everyone everyone talks about this. Everyone talks about how she crashes the car and that her kid dies, or and that right. it's all about that. It's not right. It's absolutely her. not. And there's two reasons why. First reason is uh, there's a speed run on IGN that mm-hmm. shows someone doing a speed run, but they have like the director and the narrative lead talking over it. Mm-hmm. And it's really cool because while they're doing the speed run, it's really like kind of like a developer commentary rather than it just being like talking about what's happening in the speed run. Yeah. So you're getting a bunch of little insights. And one of the the, the nugs that they give you is that their names of the characters are all important. Mm-hmm. And the name uh, Celine's character in Atropos... Right? Is that Atropos? What's the name of the... Atropos is the name of the planet. What's... Okay, sorry, not Atropos. Uh, the... What's the ship you keep abandoning? Helios. Helios. Helios, who, by the way, Helios is written on the door of that of that kid when you're playing of that the one kid's thing. Room, right? Yeah. So Helios, the ship, is also Helios, the kid. Um, and they're, in Greek mythology, I believe, siblings. Hmm. And 
the super secret cutscene, which I didn't get to, but I watched. You're talking to your mom, who's a little bit of a preggers. Okay, okay. Justin. Justin. I, I go back and forth, because it, it, it's tough because it's so ambiguous, right? Because part of me, when I look at the evidence about, like, it being about her killing her child... And, and surviving and the survivor's guilt of that and having neglected them, it like, there's a lot of pieces that fit together. But it also doesn't make sense because you see in her, so she's uh, got heterochromia, which is, you know, her eyes are two different colors. Celine does. But uh, you're, you're, keep going. But the person driving the car does not. And so it, it makes you think like, oh, well, that's just a different person. That, that's a different person. So to me, I always took it to be a story about Celine and her mom. And uh, I, I never heard the theory that maybe Celine's mom is pregnant, but I, I was curious about what it might mean because Celine is always talking about her mom. And her mom uh, was very bitter because her mom did not get accepted into being um, into the space program even though she she studied for like her whole life and all this sort of stuff. And to me, that was always represented by the old school astronaut that you're seeing all over the place, and, and particularly in the house. Celine did get into it, and her mom hated her for that, or I don't know if hated her for that, but like resented her because she was able to live that dream and, and, and the mom wasn't. Um, so then I was always curious about like, well, what does this whole Helios thing embody? Because is Celine the one leaving Helios? Because every time you walk away from the ship, it says uh, uh, Helios abandoned, right? Um, it, it's interesting that you say that that um, that uh, 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 sibling theory because she says uh, when she gets out of the crash, she's like, uh, oh, it's right here. I made it, but Helios did not. So if she was unborn at that time and the mom survived and the mom was maybe in a wheelchair the whole time as she's seen at the, uh, you know, from the crash as she's seen at the end in the secret cutscene that you get once you get all the things and get the keys to the car. Um, that would make sense. What do you got? Tell me. So watching that final cutscene, of not the final cutscene, the one that you get after beating the final boss the first time, yeah. a couple of really interesting and important observations to make. First of all, in the car, I'm just confirming just so I make sure this is right. Celine's eyes are the same color. Uh, uh, the as in like they have the two the, irises that are the same color. Yeah, they're both the same color. Yeah. Second thing, the child talks to Celine. Celine does not talk to the child. In mm. fact, as she's driving, the only interaction Celine has with the child is a moment when she's driving, she looks into the review mirror, and then moves it so you can't see the kid anymore. The kid is not in that car. Hmm. So the issue, the guilt, is not about, like, her losing her kid. It's the fact that when she escaped that car crash, the kid didn't. And she feels guilty that she lost her sibling in that car crash and has even more resentment and fear and anger towards her mom. And her mm. mom also reciprocates that because her mom looks at her as a failure because she's the living kid. Yeah, She's the one who's not good enough and can't do it. Her mom can't be the astronaut anymore because her mom can't... Um, 
walk anymore because she's in the wheelchair after the accident because a lot of the news story stuff happens that the mom after that accident survives with her kid one of the kids and okay gotcha and because of that the mom wants to have celine be the successful one and she can't she can't she can't she can't you're not good enough you're not good enough and then it becomes this resentment about the other kid should have been the one to survive i'm a failure I was the wrong choice to survive this. Mm. So that's how I read it. And and the I thing, I'm, I'm, I'm not quite sure what the I thing means. A lot of it, they're talking about oh, when she faces her trauma, she can like look whatever. But I think it's that interaction that in, when she's in the car, she's not really in the car with the kid. The kid is the memory of that, um, which I think is a very interesting way of looking at it. She's Every time she's thinking about this and the fact that they have the accident in the same spot that her mom had the accident in. Do you think there were two accidents? Yes. There's an accident when um, Celine was a kid. There's an accident when Celine was an adult where she died. Oh, you think Celine died? Mm-hmm. Because she got in her way and she couldn't confront the what happened. And literally, oh, that's right. Because that's what you find out that she is the one who she who is literally you the off astronaut, the... the one that yes. ends up that she sees, tries to swerve and avoid, and because of that, she is the cause of her downfall. No matter what you do in that game. Mm-hmm. Keep starting again. You are the one who bring yourself. Who, you, Celine is the one who starts the cycle, who yeah. begins this. Sure. Because she yeah. is the one who can't get over it. Mm-hmm. And no matter what happens, she, she like it's not a happy ending at all, no matter what. Because no, she doesn't like get to move on right. or anything. And that's why I think of it as being purgatory. I mean, Atropos itself is like the, uh, you know, the fact that I, the, okay, a couple things here. I'm not quite sure with that theory. The kid's room. Like when you're having the flashback in the house, and yeah. you become the kid. You're playing like a, also, P- a PS5. Right. <laughs> Are you Celine in that moment? I would have to go back and look look at all the house sections because I'm not sure. Um, no, I, I don't think so. I would imagine not. And another interesting thing, too, to think about is is that just the young version in the back seat of Celine instead of being. Um, Helios at that moment. I don't know. I would have to. I'd have to really look. So watch I mean, those things I, that's with that's that the one mind. thing. That, that's what I really like about this game and the story about this game is not so much like the in the moment narrative of it. It's the all of these potential things that I think is really really interesting, um, and I think really deep and complex. Um, that I I don't think there is necessarily a right answer. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I, I agree with you. I love the idea of this like emotional narrative, right? Because like r- removed from whatever the like actual like instances of like like the circumstances of this moment for Celine, you think about like I don't know. Everyone has faced some sort of hardship, or uh, I think this word gets thrown around a lot um, nowadays. And and I don't. I think that dilutes its meaning a little bit. But everyone has faced some sort of trauma in their lives, right? Uh, and the feeling of actually playing the game, I think does a really good job conveying what it's like to live with those sorts of things, right? Sometimes you get a lot of great momentum and you're able to just keep on moving along and you're able to feel like you're combating it and fighting against it and, and taking care of yourself, right? But all it takes is one slip up and you're right back to feeling like you're stuck. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think that, this game does a really great job of conveying that emotion of like, come on here again. 
um, which which I think a lot of people, uh, m- many people, have felt in that way. Um, here's another fun thing. It, I'm I'm going back through um, the room footage here. Uh, this is the fourth visit when you're the kid. There's the spaceship, yeah. and then out of the spaceship is an astronaut doing like a spacewalk thing. Okay, tethered to the spaceship, like the baby. Oh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Gosh, this game is so good. Right. It ju- it just it is it is such a great like package. Yeah. Gosh. Mm. It's the, the, I mean, there's so so many good things here, and like I still think there's something about like I don't know. There's so many good questions, and I think they're they they don't answer them, and I hope they never do. Which is why I appreciate in that dev commentary how they allude a couple things. Uh, one of the things, let's put this out to our listeners if they understand this. Yeah. One of the things is um, right before you fight the final boss. Uh, you jump down that first chasm, and there's like this like big metal cylinder thing that comes to like a little point at the end. Um, and the 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 devs were like, uh, a lot of people ask what that is, but uh, we're not going to tell you. Leave it up to your own your own mind. Yeah. And I'm like, what is it? I'm trying to think. What do they mean? Yeah. What are they trying to do there? I love it. Uh, in the DLC, did you play any of the Tower of Sisyphus stuff? I got to the first boss. I haven't gone back to it since my first time playing it, but I got to the the stuff with the uh, hospital. Did you? Because so in the hospital, do you know like I, from what I pieced together from the hospital, uh, some like I don't know if she was like a high schooler, or like a you know like a college student who was like a swimmer, like dived in the water after the crash to try and rescue Celine's mom, and oh. uh, she got injured, and so she like ruined her life as well. Um, and so you're trying to get enough flowers to be able to get into the, 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 you're, you're bringing flowers to this woman who came and saved either you or your mom or whoever it is in the car. Um, but you, you can't do it until you have enough flowers because it's like, there's like people screaming and stuff. Mm -hmm. It's kind of cool. Yeah. It's it's another piece of the, that puzzle there. Just, Um, just more of the onion to, to peel back, peel back. Yeah. Uh, in general, Justin, what do you think of that last area? I thought it was kind of it's the easiest of the of the the mall, in my opinion. And the boss I found to be really kind of a pushover with the right loadout. Yeah, I mean, I didn't. I, again, it was like a first a first thing. It was a cool boss fight though. Like it was yeah. physically intimidating and everything. Uh, the level was good because it was different. It changes up the physics a little bit. Usually, yeah. you hate the water level. Like usually, that's the, the one people level. go to. Yeah. But it like really moves your your um, movement in an interesting way. Um, and it was just kind of cool, like the upgrade you get that allows you to shoot those little things to kind of like change some of the world and stuff like that. Um, it, it, you know, visually, I don't think it was the most stunning because it was dark and like hard to see in a lot of stuff, but I think it's what I needed at the very end. But it's cool too. Like you gotta, you know, traverse the depths, uh, and, and that, what that means, like, you know, symbolically and all that sort of stuff, but yeah, maybe any, any final thoughts on Returnal here before we lay it to rest? Uh, one of the things I'm going to do is I, I just want to go through all the names and the Greek myths and like really like try to like map out like what everything uh, actually means um, and try to like come up with like the perfect understanding of that. Yeah. Um, just because I think it's it's uh, uh, interesting to, to find that out. Um, yeah. Good ass game. Uh, spe- speaking of which, I just uh, typed in uh, Helios and Helios means sun. S-O-N or S-U-N? S-U-N, but, I'm, you know, I'll take well, it that way. Well, that's interesting. 
But yeah. no, I mean, I mean that that can kind of work because then you, um, what you are collecting, it's like sun pieces of like a sunstone or something like that. Oh, um, those are the six. Those are the six things you need from the, each of the biomes to get the true ending. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's not a literal translation of S O N, but I mean the mnemonic device, uh, not mnemonic. Uh, 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 the fact that it sounds like it. I mean, it's yeah. a, a synonym is is. Not sending them. You know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we've been podcasting for like two hours. <laughs> it's so good. It's um, good. One more, one more theory. One Do more it. theory. Hit me with it. Uh, that Celine and Helios were twins, and only one survived. Okay. And Celine survived. Yeah, and there's some sort of guilt about that. And some guilt about that. Yeah. 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 And that that would explain the dual personality with the eyes being different colors. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. That's, that's where I am right now. Wonderful. I'm going to keep thinking about this. It's been a, it's been a week and trust me, I've been down every video I can be down. Well, Justin, I would love to talk to you more about it. Um you know I love this. You know it's I good. love it's this. It's some good stuff. It's some real good stuff. So, well, hey, thank you, listener. Uh, for listening to our podcast, we talked about a lot of stuff today, and we appreciate you. Um, we appreciate you hanging out with us and and sticking with us for this longer episode. If you have any thoughts about any of this, whether it's Returnal's ending or just anything about Returnal, or if it's about um, Bungie and and discussing those. Uh, uh, taking a stance for human rights and, and things like that, um, or if it's about Nintendo's mishandling of its contractors, or if you have any thoughts about Square Enix and Embracer Group and, and that whole debacle, we would love to hear about it on Twitter at HitboxPod, or you can send us an email, you can tweet at us, whatever you want, or you can send us an email at hitboxofficialpodcast at gmail.com. Go ahead and give us a subscription on whatever podcast platform you're listening to. That would really uh, do a lot for us. So that way you can be notified whenever we have new episodes. Justin, what am I forgetting? Anything? Uh, I just can't wait to to see like how somehow in the next couple of weeks, Sony finally does it and buys Microsoft. Finally, right? They've got the cash. They've got they the do. cash they laying have, around. Definitely. Yeah, they're just laying yeah. around. Couple billion, no big, deal. couple trillion, you know. No well, big yeah, deal. It, there's that Sony couch that they 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 were gonna get rid of, and then they you know lifted up the cushions and were like, oh my gosh, we got like eight billion dollars in here. Um, yeah. <laughs> hey, thanks so much for listening uh, to this extended episode of Hitbox. We will catch you next week for a serial debate of the century. Uh, until then, always remember, old games are old. Bye. Bye. I'll stop recording. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>